coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. A Link to the Past is a perfect game, but is Link's crossbow training also a perfect game? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you doing, Patrick? I feel like not often enough do I ask and check in with you. Right. I was thinking about the, uh, the word swag today, because I heard someone pronounce it swag, and I've heard it before. Um... But where is there a difference? Is is are are sh- swag and swag different phenomenon? Is I feel like, and maybe this is my ignorance shining through. Yeah. I feel like swag is the actual pronunciation of the word. But like, okay, swag is it? Is it a where does Schwinn come from? Is that a Jim Carrey thing? Like is no, that from that's, the... a, that's Wayne's World. That's Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Okay, so I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if it is a uh, a similar phenomenon. That's interesting because I've I've always heard it as swag stands for stuff we all get. No, there's no way that it's a there's <laughs> is it I, there's I mean, no actually, way it's an acronym. <laughs> actually, I take that back. I immediately take that back. It is very possible. Yeah. I suppose that the origin of the word swag is an acronym. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea, but I I don't know why I reacted so violently to that. Like no, <laughs> I like, could see like, it on your face. Like you were like Patrick, <laughs> like Luke Skywalker. You know, like in, in his confrontation with uh, Darth Vader, it's like no, that can't be true. It's impossible, and it, it ruins my entire worldview for some reason. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is true. Maybe that is the origin. And so is your point that swag then can't possibly be like the pronunciation that part we're on the same page right patrick i'm pleading yeah, at this yeah, point yeah yes no we, we i think we, we are definitely on the same page that i am anti-swag <laughs> pro swag but conceptually anti both of them because we don't need more garbage we don't need more garbage <laughs> when we go to things um speaking of garbage that you don't want my copy of sonic forces would you like to borrow it uh you can certainly try all you gotta do is email us at nintendo cartridge society at At gmail.com and give us a mailing address and i will put my copy of this game for the nintendo switch in the mail send it to you there's a return address and uh postage paid for envelope inside you send it back you play it for as long as you want uh, and the only thing that might happen to you is that you may accidentally get a copy of Untitled Goose Game. And I don't even know if, if accidental is correct. It's just something that might happen. Uh, it's a perfect borrowing program. Get on the list. Uh, participate in a perfect borrowing program. The other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It helps out the show a bunch. Um, if in your review you want to research and explain to us the origin of the word swag it would be much appreciated um and if you leave us a review anywhere we'll give you a five we'll give you a shout out no, on the we'll show give you a shout i out. mean i guess we'll give you a five we'll star a five shout star out review we'll give you yes, a five yes. star shout out um mark you know uh there's a new m night Shyamalan movie out right now that people are uh just memeing to death right now so and also so if anyone wants to send us old spoilers um, we would also accept those. Just email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. That's with right. Spoilers for the movie Old. Yeah, and that is a uh, throwback to the movie Split. Split. That's yeah. right. That's right. Where I was Which asking wanted... for spoilers. Yeah. That's right. We wanted spoilers for that. And then we saw the movie together. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mark, should we stop screwing around and get to our main topic today? Yes, let's do it. We are in part two of our quest to conceptually modernize every single game in the Zelda franchise, uh, excluding no spinoffs whatsoever. We are talking about all of them. 
last time we talked all the way through the Nintendo 64 era. Um, and so uh, we are starting today with the Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda, the Wind Waker 2002 coming out on, on, on the GameCube 2002 in Japan, 2003 in uh, North America and the rest of the world. Um, but Mark, at, at, this, at this point, should we, should we lay out, because we're starting to get, we will get to the modern day at this point. Um, and there are a couple games that we are in fact leaving out because they uh, premiered on the Switch and exclusively on the Switch. So we're not going to be talking about Cadence of Hyrule, and we're not going to be talking about um, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, because those are two games that only appear on Switch. They're Modernizing them doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, we felt like we had to draw the line somewhere, and so that's the arbitrary yeah. distinction we made. But don't worry, we are going to be talking about Breath of the Wild. Because we absolutely it's are. in on a technicality because it is also mm -hmm. on the Wii U. So it uh, is not strict in by our laws. I mean, it's it is amazing uh, like to think that if we never got the switch, we still would have gotten Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the Wii U would be remembered as one of the greatest <laughs> platforms of all time. <laughs> um, and partially because it has this killer remake of. Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, um, or just Wind Waker. I keep saying the. Is there a the in the title of this game? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I, I wrote a the, but now it feels, it feels like a fraudulent, definite article. Um, but uh, Mark, No, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh. It is The Wind Waker. Weird. Um, so the, the Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker... Um, came out in 2002-2003. It was remastered for the Wii U as Wind Wake, the Wind Waker HD in 2013. Uh, the remake included better resolution, a brand new lighting system, better graphics. It has improved audio using better audio samples um, than on the uh, original GameCube. There's touchscreen inventory management and tilt-assisted aiming. There's a swift sail and uh, shortened Triforce shard hunting quests. There's a Tingle Bottle, which introduces uh, Miiverse features, and a Hero Mode for extra difficulty. Um, Mark, I, I, do, I almost think that the Wind Waker HD is the perfect Zelda remaster. I've never played it. You know, I um, didn't own a Wii U, and so that was something that I missed out on. I'm one of the people who are in the boat of... I'm of hoping that someday these HD remakes for uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will make its way to Switch. Um, but I believe you because Wind Waker is a like, gorgeous, beautiful, really fun game yeah. with some like slightly annoying qualities to it. And so to like have it presented in high definition plus have some of those annoying qualities like polished down, it seems like the perfect package. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that to bring it to the Switch, they would have to, like, undo some of the improvements because the Switch is not the same platform as the Wii U, right? Like, you lose the sort of touchscreen inventory, right? Or, I mean, like, it could be there if you're playing in handheld mode. Um, but the fact that you always have your inventory available to, like, sort through um, on the fly on the Wii U gamepad is kind of a game changer like it, the whole thing feels more active um and then also the uh the uh tingle bottle um like meverse stuff that's not you know the the best feature in the game but like the, they're just these bottles that wash ashore um and it they're letters or drawings that other people have done on meverse um it's just this nice way of like feeling a little bit connected to um you know the community of people who are playing the game and, like, I, I suppose that could still exist on uh, the, the Switch in the same way that, like, people can still make messages and draw stuff in Splatoon. But, like, it's, the, the culture of it's just not the same. Yeah, I, I feel like if they were going to bring Wind Waker to another platform, to Switch or something like that, I almost feel like they would need to go back to the drawing board and just start over as far as remakes go. Because... Wow. Because I, I think you're right that you you couldn't really do the things that made the Wii U version like sound like it's the definitive version, and so don't instead of trying to force those features onto the Switch like you or like another system, 
you just kind of have to start over, right? And rethink, like, how do we improve these systems for the hardware that we're working on? Yeah. Well, and, like, I'm thinking about the, uh, you know, the special hardware features of the Switch or, like, the things that make it unique. Um, and, like, none of them really transfer over to, like, other gameplay ideas for uh, Wind Waker, right? Like, you think about the sort of like drop in and out multiplayer. Um, like there, there's no real multiplayer component in uh, Wind Waker, not even one that like I can conceptualize. Um, I mean, m- maybe there's more with like, you know, the, there's the uh, the picto box and the thing that you uh, take pictures with, and you know, so maybe the <coughs> the switch's connectivity to like social media, um, you know, that that can be like better integrated in there. But like, I I I honestly don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure either. It's not like, you know, when you get a treasure chest out of the ocean, you need to rotate your Joy-Con like on one, two switch to try to like yeah, get the chains I off of it that. or anything like that. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but to me, like if, if you're going to modernize it, it's like, yeah, don't just try to take Wind Waker HD and put it on switch. You could like you kind of have to rethink what that is going to look like. You mean like ground up, like really? I think so. I think wow. so. Yeah, I mean, this may be one where like I maybe just want like a sequel, like Wind Waker Two, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to be mm-hmm. talking about other other games like in in this universe here. Um, but you know, maybe it could also just be a thing of uh, like another dungeon, like an an optional dungeon. Well, there you go, right? Because like Wind Waker, famously, its development was cut short yep. to just get the game out, and so there are multiple dungeons that were cut and that's basically what the triforce shard hunting quests became right it was just like a way for them to get that content in there without the full dungeons and so sure yeah if you're going to bring it to switch maybe you do lose those niceties of having the wii u gamepad and all that kind of stuff but it's compensated by hey those dungeons are like fully realized like they're back oh man that would be so cool to get some like long defunct dungeons uh back in in wind waker that's rad mark we did it that's (laughs) we we figured it out it would require so much work and is uh less remaster and more like a wind waker plus right yeah totally special edition um all right uh so now we are moving on to uh the minish cap on the game boy advance developed by capcom and published by nintendo came out in 2004 in japan 2005 in north america and the rest of the world um, it was later available on some virtual consoles, sort of. Um, it is uh, available on the 3DS, or was available on the 3DS in 2011, but only as part of the 3DS Ambassador program. And then it came to the Wii U Virtual Console in 2014. I didn't realize it was an Ambassador program game. Well, there are no other game. The only Game Boy Advance games that you can play on your 3DS are uh, Ambassador game, are, are from the Ambassador uh, program. So Which I is have, outrageous. I have played part of the Minish Cap, but I don't think I ever finished it. I have no memory of finishing it. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in the same boat. Um it is not a game that I love. But between Minish Cap and the Oracle games, um, like it really has me convinced that like Nintendo knows how to make Zelda games and like Everyone else can imitate it. Everyone else can get close, but they like lack a little bit of that magic that makes them a Zelda game. Yeah, for the Oracle games, it was easier. This exercise was a little bit easier because we could say like combine the two games, trim the fat, and yeah. you know, kind of like reinvent what those games are. For Minish Cap, um, I don't, I don't feel like there's as easy like a solution for modernizing this game. Uh, I mean, what if what if you give it on over to Grezzo and say, uh, we want these in the uh, Ocarina and Majora's Mask, like, 3D, like, turn the game into a 3D Zelda game? Interesting. Um, this would be, you know, obviously more of, like, a from the ground up, but, like, you know, I, I think we are, we are awash in uh, 2D Zelda-likes. Uh, and, you know, putting out another one that is just, like, an officially, you know, an official Nintendo one um, is fine. But, like, also, let's, let, let's, like, up it, right? Let's level it up. Let's make it something new. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think follow the sort of formula of, 
uh, Ocarina and Majora's Mask, um, but just use that to make Minish Cap again. I really like this, and the reason I like it is because I would be so tickled if Nintendo took the Minish Cap, kind of like it is part of Zelda, but it is that weird like third-party type Zelda thing, yeah. and then they were like, okay, of all the Zelda games, like the 2D Zelda games that exist, where we plucked the Minish Cap and we, you know, turned it into this sterling 3D Zelda experience. Yeah. Um, because for the heck of it, that's what we decided to do. And the Minish Cap is how we're celebrating Zelda's 40th anniversary. Um, <laughs> I think it should be the, like, capstone game, for sure. Um, yeah, and, what I mean, and the, the thing that's, like, especially interesting about that to me is, like, the shrinking and growing stuff. When you shrink in a 2D game, the sprite becomes smaller, right? But when you shrink in a 3D game, the world becomes bigger, right? And, like, Nintendo's so good at presenting, like, you're a tiny person in a huge world. You know, like, look at any of the Pikmin games. Um, I, I, just, I, I just want, like, a, a magical Honey, I Shrunk the Link experience. Uh, and I think they could do that if they just made it a 3D game. Well, and I think, the, like, the, the Minish world, like, the miniature world, is one of the highlights of the Minish Cap because, um, you know, a lot of Zelda games play with this idea of like light world, dark world. We saw that in Oracle of Ages with time. You see it with Oracle of Season with like the different seasons, but rarely are they playing with scale to that degree. And so I think that that would be fun. It's just like a, it's a unique take on the Zelda formula that for whatever reason, like never really clicked for me. And so having like a um, second, having like a reinvention yeah, and just an opportunity to play in that world again seems fun. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I would say that it doesn't feel that compelling because it doesn't like the, the functionality of it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're really experiencing it, you know, like yeah. Link is smaller, but you don't necessarily feel like you have gotten smaller, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, we solved that one. It's another impossible assignment that we've given someone. <laughs> um, we are moving on now to Twilight Princess, originally released on both the GameCube and Wii simultaneously in 2006, all around the globe. Obviously, this one was remastered 10 years later as Twilight Princess HD in 2016. Um, it is based on the GameCube version, which uh, has the like left-right orientation sort of uh, corrected, so Link is left-handed. This is one of the crazy things about the Wii version is that the whole game is flipped horizontally. Yeah, yeah, they just mirrored it. So that way, um, I guess their feeling was that since people were going to be using motion controls, that Link should be right-handed since the majority of people are right-handed. It just makes sense to have that be the sword control. Now I'm actually trying to think in Skyward Sword, is Link right-handed? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes you're sense. controlling his sword with uh, with with your right hand, um, uh, the the other improvements uh, or uh, other features of the uh, Twilight Princess HD, there are improved resolution, textures, and graphics. Um, the touchscreen inventory and the tilt screen or tilt assisted aiming uh, returns here. Um, there is a shortened uh, tier or yeah tier gathering quests. So much in the same way that the um, Triforce shards thing was uh, shortened. So too are like the little fetch quests here uh, shortened. There are some Miiverse features, hero mode returns for like a harder level of difficulty. And then there is Amiibo support, including uh, the Wolf Link dungeon um, and that Wolf Link Amiibo that you can load up and then take into Breath of the Wild. Um, something uh, interesting uh, that I uh, like kind of read more about while uh, researching this, um, that uh, like early on in this uh, HD remake, they're in the process of like putting it together. They were like, you know what? We could preserve the motion controls. People are going to be playing this on a game that is supported by uh, Wii remotes. Like you could use a Wii remote to play this, but they just took that functionality out. Like they took the waggle control of, uh, you know, fighting with the Wii remote and nunchuck and took it out of the game, um, which sort of suggests that that was never a, you know, crucial or vital part of the way that game played. Um, and I think that I absolutely agree with that assessment um, and that any remake that we suggest 
uh, shouldn't restore motion controls unless uh, just as an option. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I played through Twilight Princess on the Wii, and so I played it with motion controls, and it was a as launch title, I, yeah. so it was like one of the first things I ever experienced with the Wii. It's when I was playing, as I've been playing Skyward Sword, like in the beginning, I had to train myself not to play it like Twilight Princess, because in Twilight Princess, you just like uh, sh- shake the Wiimote essentially, and that yeah. is what triggers Link swinging his sword. You don't really have any control over where, uh, like the direction that he's swinging it. And so, um, I didn't, I, I didn't mind the motion controls, but that's just how like I experienced it. And I thought, like, for some of the aiming and things like that, that it made a lot of sense. Um, Twilight Princess is an interesting game for me. When I think of, like, what I would like to see in it, I would like to see, like, the fat trimmed a little bit. And not even in the way that was already done in the HD remake, where they tightened up the opening, they tightened up some of, like, the um, quests for the tears. Is that what they're called? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the tears of light. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, more like there are just like parts and elements in that game that I would just like to see removed. Like there's a mission where you have to like escort um, like a, a wagon. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, like that's that. That's a tough like, one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's just like, let's just let's just not. Let's just remove that part. Um, kind of like cut the fat a little bit. So that way we can... Uh, revel in the real joy of Twilight Princess, which is that the dungeons are incredible. Um, I have learned to love the NPCs over time. In the beginning, the the NPCs, the art direction for Twilight so Princess, yeah. I would love someday for there to be like a deep dive into the design 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 decisions. Uh, yeah, on Twilight Princess because. They are just so specific and bizarre. And, and it's frequently grotesque. Completely grotesque. And Nintendo has like we're all we all just walk around pretending like it's completely normal. Right? Like Nintendo has <laughs> never addressed or like and there are just so many questions around the art design. Uh and I don't want it to go away. I have learned to like a love that that is part of Twilight yeah. Princess. But um yeah, maybe maybe that's what I'm asking for is is part of modernizing it. I also just want answers from Nintendo. I want the details. Yeah, I mean this is this is great, Mark, because it, it sort of unlocks an idea for me here that what it should be is like a Twilight Princess director's commentary or like oh my crea- gosh, yes. studio commentary, right? So like, uh, keep keep all the graphics the the same. Like we don't we don't need to change or you know update or crisp anything up. Um. But just have like everywhere you go the option to pull up like a little documentary featurette about the design of that weird baby character, why the Gorons have these like floppy nipples, like every place you go where there's something weird to look at, which is everywhere in the game, have a little video there with people explaining what's going on, seeing conceptual drawings. Like it would be so cool. I would love that so much. You know, we've talked about in the past that. We just don't get in video game companies are so secretive and Nintendo especially yeah. is like insanely secretive that we just don't get access to developers. And we just don't get that sort of information. Could you, I can't even imagine my mind would explode at the thought that having basically like a Samus Samus's visor from Metroid Prime where anything oh in God. the world, you can just like scan it and get some information as to like what you were, you know, like what developers were thinking changes it went through like all that kind of stuff oh my gosh a a deep dive commentary on a video game like twilight princess would be so incredible that's such a good idea and i think twilight princess is a uniquely qualified candidate for that because it is so aggressively persistently weird like you know there's a whole uh dungeon around uh, the those weird face chickens that live in the sky, like, I, what, what, like, what is? I just want someone to try to justify that to me. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, and um, it is so. Oh man, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. I'm so excited by this idea. I completely forgot I <laughs> my train of thought. It it is it is such um a ridiculously good idea. Um. Okay, so that's how we would update uh the Twilight Princess. 
Mark, we are now moving on to one of the top-selling Zelda games, one of the top five-selling Zelda games in the United States, Link's Crossbow Training for the Wii, which originally came out in 2007. Um, never re-released in any form um, is a game that you play with the Wii Zapper, I believe uh, the peripheral was called, where you jam a Wii remote and a, a nunchuck into like a little gun-looking thing. Um, Mark, how do you update Link's crossbow training? So I think you could definitely bring this back for the Switch, right? You can bring back, you can, uh, instead of the Wii Zapper, just have the Switch Zapper and pop a couple of Joy-Con in there. Um, I, I feel like anytime we bring up Link's crossbow training, we need to remind listeners that it is the fifth best-selling Zelda yes. game in the United States of all time. So a yes. lot of Link's crossbow training was sold. And I think bring that baby to Switch and give Link more than a crossbow. Give Link the Super, the super Nintendo like Super Scope. Give Link a bazooka. Give Link, you know, like let's just load Link up with things that he can have. And so, and so he can shoot at targets with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like you can go like kind of all out like make it a, a mix of like a, a light gun game on the nes and like uh you know one of those oh i'm, I'm uh, like a skater die game right where it's just like a, a collection of like little events all around link shooting a bow or whatever on the back of a horse um and just like you know don't don't let me uh, sit in any one event for too long i understand i'm asking them to like develop many more games but like Treat it like a WarioWare game, right? Where I'm uh, doing crossbow training for like a minute and then I'm on to like longbow training and then, you know, Link is shooting a, like you say, the super scope or like a bazooka. Like, let's just go. Yeah, th- th- I, th- I think actually this is what I want for Link's crossbow training because yeah. uh, for whatever reason, I, I've never played through Link's crossbow training, but the fact that it exists and like so many copies of it sold, it, I, it delights me. And so what I want Link's crossbow training to be for the modern age is like what Super Smash Brothers is for video games, where it's a, a museum of video game curiosities at this point. I want Link's crossbow training to become a museum of light gun game curiosities. It's like yes. any on-rail shooter, anything, you know, like any light gun game, let's yeah. jam it into Link's crossbow training somehow. I love it. I let's let's like let's partner with Sega. Let's partner with uh, Capcom so we get some like Umbrella Chronicles and some like Lethal Enforcers. Let's like get it all in their House of the Dead. Like I don't care. Let's put Link in all of these situations, and he's just gotta like take out everyone with a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, I just wish that Sakurai. I think it's you know when um <laughs> when he steps away from Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Give yes. somebody else the reins to Super Smash Brothers. It's in a really good place. And turn your attention, your Sakurai's attention to detail to Link's crossbow training. Yeah, this is the best idea we've ever had, Mark. I, I, I we c- cannot be improved. And I, again, like I understand, we're not, we're not even asking really for like a sequel. We're asking for Link's crossbow training to be radically reinvented <laughs> for the Switch. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Legend of Zelda. Phantom Hourglass, originally released on the DS in 2007. It is also available on the Wii U Virtual Console, um, just in North America and PAL regions, uh, not in Japan for whatever reason. Um, and that happened in 2016. Um, Mark, Phantom Hourglass is a, is, a, is a tricky one because it is so based on its touchscreen controls. Do you want to like stay with that or do you want to like give us button controls? What do you think? Yeah, I I love Phantom Hourglass. I absolutely adore it. I think it's a great game. I know that people um don't care for the Temple of the Ocean King, but it it never bothered me. I I think it's such a smart use of touch controls and I think um it's they really use the DS in clever ways for like different puzzles in the game. Mm-hmm. Um I would like to see a version of this come to Switch that retains the motion or like the touch controls. The part where I think it's like a little tricky is that, you know, the Switch doesn't really come with a stylus or anything. And I don't know that I want to be dragging a stylus all over my screen. But 
so I don't know that it's actually possible. Um, but I, I think the motion controls work really well. And it's a fun way to control the world in Phantom Hourglass. And so for this one, I would love to find a way to retain it, but then also have the option for button controls. I guess similar to what they did with Skyward Sword HD. Yeah. I mean, there's the... I agree with you like 90% of the time, or not even 90% of the time, it's maybe like half of the time, that I think the touch uh, controls work really, really well. Um, And it's whenever you are... Uh, just not making Link run around and, like, hack at guys, right? Like, when he's swinging his sword and just, like, running around those islands, I kind of want to just be controlling that with, like, buttons, right? Mm. Like, moving Link around with the thumbstick is intuitive to me. It makes sense. For whatever reason, like, tapping a place on the screen and having him march there doesn't feel as, like, tactile and immediate to me. Yeah, I can appreciate that. For That's not my experience with it, but I can totally see how that is the case. And so, and that, again, why I think that some sort of reinvention in the vein of Skyward Sword HD, where it's like, retain the motion controls um, that the game was built around, but also offer an alternative. So that way, in the case of the Switch, that you could play it on the TV or in handheld mode without having to use the motion controls. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think there's any, would be any value in porting it to mobile? Oh, I mean, that's actually probably the best place for it, right? Because yeah. the touch interface is the primary use for a mobile device. Like, yeah, that, that would be great. I, I would just love, for me, a way to play this game again. Um, I'm glad that it's on Wii U Virtual Console. And one of these days, I wonder if I should just get a Wii U before they stop accepting credit cards and just download all of these like right. GBA games and DS games that I haven't had an opportunity to play for, you know, like a decade now. Um, cause I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I would encourage you to just find the DS cards cause you can play them on your 3D. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a much simpler solution. <laughs> it's way easier. Um, but yeah, I love Phantom Hourglass. I want this game to exist, to continue to exist. I love the characters and the world of the yeah. of Wind Waker and so um and that are continued on in like Phantom Hourglass and to a lesser extent for me Spirit Tracks but like something about um being on the sea is fits so well with that sense of adventure that Zelda has and especially that these Wind Waker games have. Yeah, I I mean it's it like you you are not wrong to call out like how good the characters are. Um Zelda as a ghost, phenomenal. <laughs> it's so good and so compelling. And then Linebeck, the uh, guy who captains your boat, um, is awesome. He's like a cowardly Han Solo. He's so good, and like I, it angers me that we don't see him in other games. Yeah, the world is super fun. I hope that someday um, Phantom Hourglass gets, its, gets a reevaluation because I think it's a really good game. Um, which, of course, then leads us immediately into The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, also on the DS. Uh, came out in 2009, a similar story to Phantom Hourglass, in that it is also available on the Wii U Virtual Console uh, in 2016, North America, and PAL only there. And Mark, I know you are not as big a fan of Spirit Tracks. In fact, I believe you have said on this show that you uh, don't like it that you think it's a bad game yeah i i don't like spirit tracks at all which is really weird um because i enjoyed phantom hourglass so much and spirit tracks is not a huge enormous departure from they in fact in a lot of ways they you know improved a lot of the complaints of phantom hourglass they there's no like temple of the ocean king type like dungeon that you keep returning to um they also really kind of simplified the overworld in you are you're on a train the entire overworld. Like that is right. the uh, your primary or only mode of getting around. And I, I just didn't enjoy it. I, I d- wish I could like articulate a clear reason why other than I just did not enjoy my time with Spirit Tracks. So what you do to bring it into the modern era, like I don't, this one is really hard for me because Spirit Tracks, even more than Phantom Hourglass, feels very much like a product of its time where nintendo and we see this you know a little bit with skyward sword and you saw this in other areas of the game where you know they started introducing the ability to in mario games like if a level was too hard then you could basically just like 
jump right to the end and just get past it. Like right. there was a lot of um, trying to figure out the right fit with the massive, like more casual audience that was brought into the Wii and DS. And so I feel like Spirit Tracks for me is kind of a victim of that where they're like, okay, we're going to simplify the overworld. Everything's on a train. So everything's really like generally very linear. And uh, I don't think that it is very aged very well, like uh, some of that handholding. And so I'm not entirely sure how you modernize it unless maybe you just like start by breaking it and just kind of like taking the bones of the game and rebuilding something else. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that like you, you're calling out the sort of like handholding nature of it, because I think the opposite is uh, a, another thing that is wrong with it, that like on the overworld, when you are uh, on the train and you're trying to get to like a specific point, it becomes like a little bit of a puzzle, right? Because you've got the sort of train track management on the lower screen and on the upper screen, you are controlling like Link at a cannon, uh, you know, like uh, attacking bad guys that are trying to like derail the train. Um, and that is one of those, like, one of the frustrations that I had with the game where, like, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't, like, figure out how to, or not that I couldn't figure it out, but that it took me too long and required, like, too much effort just to traverse the open world by using all of these train mechanics. Um, so I almost think that uh, they could simplify the, the train stuff in the game, uh, but then offer, like, train puzzles as like a thing that you access on the side because i think some of those are valuable but they're never what i want to engage with while i'm playing a zelda game right like i sort of just want to get to the dungeon or the next area where link is running around and like being link right um so i don't know i i wish there was a way to like separate those two parts of the game yeah i mean the train stuff for me is kind of a bit of a bummer. Like, I love the idea. I think, like, the aesthetic of Link as a train engineer is very fun. But, yeah, you know, part of the fun of a Zelda game is, ex like, exploring the world and being able to find secrets. And they found some clever ways to incorporate that into the more linear, um, like, movement of through the overworld on a train. But it's it's definitely not, like, the same experience. I almost want to, like liberate link from the train and ha have the have the game have the like link still you know like be using the train but find ways to kind of just like reinvent how the overworld is explored uh hear me th this may be what i actually want and this definitely defies the assignment because i am just pitching a new game here um but a Phantom Hourglass is uh, an obvious, you know, 100 years later sequel to um, The Wind Waker. Um, and Spirit Tracks is like a sort of lateral move from, Fan from Phantom Hourglass. Let's see the thousand year or the hundred years prequel to Spirit Tracks um, as uh, a sort of, you know, cartoon link is, uh, you know, tasked with laying down the tracks in the first place, right? And like, building the railroad that he will traverse a hundred years later in spirit tracks yes yes and ganondorf is like a railroad baron right he's oh like a God. taskmaster yes i love this <laughs> perfect yeah okay i'm super i'm super into this now <laughs> so uh instead of a remake we're asking for a spirit tracks prequel um <laughs> All right, uh, Mark, we are now moving on to a bit of a strange category, but because we are staying in the realm of the DS, um, we are talking about Tingle games. Um, many of these games have never come to uh, the U.S. Uh, we are talking about four games or four products. Uh, one is uh, Tingle's uh, Freshly... The title of the game is Freshly Picked Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land which came to the DS in 2006, Tingle's Balloon Fight DS on the DS in 2006, uh, Too Much Tingle Pack, which is a DSi collection of like little dumb games and apps, uh, which came out in 2009, and Ripened Tingle's Balloon of Love, Balloon, balloon Trip of Love, ooh, which also came out on the DS in 2009. Um, Mark, what do you know about these games? What do you know about how you want to play them? I don't know much about these games. I think all of them are uh, J Japanese exclusives, right? None of them ever I, came. 
yeah, to the US. I, I believe that's correct. And for for the most part, they're so uh, freshly picked tingles, uh, rosy rupee land, and ripened tingles, balloon trip of love are both. I can't really tell what kind of games these are, other than I can tell that like. Uh, Tingle is a uh, a romantic lead in these games, and they're both about him uh, seeking romance. The other two games are, you know, a little different. Uh, Balloon Fight is just basically Balloon Fight, but Tingle is in it. Um, and the Too Much Tingle pack is just, you know, a, a collection of like there's a calculator and like an alarm clock and and stuff like that. I mean, for in ripened Tingle's Balloon Trip of Love, you've included an illustration that I'm guessing is from the game. That is it's, it's from the instruction manual, yeah. It, yeah, and it is like um imagine a romance cover, like an illustrated romance cover, but Tingle is like a s- seven foot tall, ripped like Adonis yeah. wearing a skin tight green leotard with like a red speedo, clasping the hand of a fair maiden wearing a prom dress. <laughs> and look, you and I are on record, right? Tingle always hot right yeah oh <laughs> tingle, for sure tingle's always hot we are pro tingle um tingle is especially hot as he appears on uh in the instruction booklet for ripen tingle's balloon trip of love yeah if we were doing a definitive ranking of uh tingle's appearances in games and their relative hotness like ripen yeah. tingle's balloon trip of love instruction booklet would be off the charts a wooga um he would yeah he's the one to beat <laughs> Yeah, it's such a shame to me that these games came out when they did because, you know, America was not prepared for the awesome queerness that is Tingle. And yep. so I've never had, for some, for some weird reason, and Tingle was disliked, or at least that was the, um, uh, uh, that's that was a, the perception. That, yeah. that was the perception and seemingly for the perception of Nintendo in Japan. So I don't know if, um, I don't know exactly what gave them that perception. I, I, don't remember discourse around tingle all that much but um uh anyways my 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 answer to this is i just want to i just want to play these games just give them to me any way i can yep yep i mean we we've done this cop out before but like get the studio that did the um uh famicom detective club remakes and just remake the the two like full fat games here and just re i don't i don't need tingles balloon fight and i don't need the too much tingle um dsi pack but like these two other games like bundle them together sell them both for 35 bucks and i get ten dollars off if i buy them both whatever i'm there i'm gonna do it yeah put them in our hot little hand uh i desperately 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 want nintendo to celebrate like the year of tingle or something (gasps) and everything is just like tingle themed like there's tingled tingle uh nintendo switches that you can buy Tingle shows up in games randomly, right? It's just like Tingle's in Mario Kart now. Um, I want this so bad. I feel like the world deserves a year of Tingle, a celebration of Tingle. And yeah, like you said, put these in a collection. um, You know, let it be a limited release. Partner with GameStop or whoever you want. Uh, I would camp out to get a copy of these games. Yeah, I mean, also let's not uh, that I yeah, absolutely we would be there for it. Um, Tingle first appears in Majora's Mask, correct? Right. And that game came out in the year two thousand, I believe. Um, which means that we are you know in in Tingle's twenty first year right now. Uh, so we have perhaps passed any sort of like celebratory milestones. But if we can get to twenty five and we can celebrate Tingle's twenty fifth anniversary in a couple years, um, with the re-release of these two games. Let's take cues from the whole like Tingle's balloon fight idea and just put Tingle in like a bunch of other classic NES games. Excite bike, kung fu. Like, let's do it all. Let's make Tingle the star of everything. Year of Tingle is a perfect idea, Mark. Yeah, Tingle's NES remix. Tingle's SNES remix. Uh yes. yeah, when when Tingle turns 25, so in 2025, it can just be we're celebrating the year that Tingle can rent a car. That would be like the absurdity that uh, Tingle deserves. I feel like, yeah, and uh, let and then let's also put out a, a new game that is Tingle learning how to drive. Like I think that's perfect. <laughs> he waited until he was twenty five to get a license. Of course he did. <laughs> He's doing it despite his dad. <laughs> Just as uh, his motivation for everything, I'm sure. 
Uh, okay, next, Mark, we get ourselves into like another bit of a uh, sticky situation here because the next game on the list is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, originally released on the Wii in 2011. It required the Wii Motion Plus to control Link's hyper-accurate sword, um, was available on the Wii U as a downloadable game in 2016, and then, of course, remastered for the Switch as Skyward Sword HD just a couple weeks ago. Um, improved resolution and frame rate, uh, supports motion controls and traditional uh, like thumbstick and buttons-only controls, other little quality-of-life improvements that we've discussed on this show, and limited amiibo support for quick travel uh, back to Skyloft with Zelda and, Lo- and the Loftwing amiibo. Um, wh- wh- what do you think, Mark? Do, do you think that uh, they successfully modernized Skyward Sword for the Switch era? You know, I, I never played Skyward Sword on the Wii, and so I can't. So my only experience with it has been on Switch, and you know, so far I am enjoying it. I, this this is a tough one for me because yeah. I I don't really know what else I could ask for, other than, um, because Nintendo has right this the opportunity to go back and address some of the complaints that people had from the first game. And they have selectively chosen to do that. And so I, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know. I almost like seed the floor for this one. Yeah, it, it's definitely a tough one because, uh, you know, we talked uh, before about how many of these games are built around the like very specific technology of the systems that they're developed for. Um, and so like, you know, I find some of the, uh insistence on like using the the motion controls like kind of tiresome but like i don't know like that's what the game is if you strip those things out like it becomes not this game anymore um so i don't know i think they have done a pretty good job i think uh no matter what you do to skyward sword um like if you take all of the annoying bits out of it it's no longer skyward sword right right you know um this is almost not like modernizing it but some of the elements that surprisingly I'm enjoying the most is the narrative and the interaction, especially in the beginning between like Zelda yeah. and Link and the world of Skyloft. And generally I don't go to Zelda games expecting like a strong narrative, but I surprisingly connected with this one and in a similar vein with, you know, Wind Waker and also the world of um, Phantom Hourglass. I kind of just want more of those characters. And I don't really know yeah. what form it should it like should take necessarily, but I really the most fun I've had in this game so far is not the um like the exploration or anything. It's been hanging out in Skyloft because I find it to be such a pleasant like place to be. Yeah, I mean this may be another one where we cheat and ask for a prequel, right? Um, like just Link growing up on Skyloft, going to you know Loftwing Night School. Um, that's K N I G H T. He's not doing <laughs> it at night. He likes to sleep. Yeah, th- that would be fun. Um, I think just like developing those relationships, or maybe not even a game, right? Like, uh, maybe this is an opportunity for some sort of animated film or animated series or something like that. Yeah. Let's get a manga. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we gave up on that one. We're giving up on Skyward Sword. <laughs> um, which brings us to 2013's A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS. Already sort of a sequel to A Link to the Past. This game has not been re-released in any f- other form than its 3DS form. Um, Mark, I love this game. Uh, it's so very good um and i know part of that is that it is a sequel that takes place in the exact same world as one of my favorite games of all time a game that we have said on the previous episode is essentially a perfect game um what do you do to update a link between worlds for the switch yeah it's another one that's difficult because just like skyward sword the 3d element like it is a game created for the 3ds in such like a strong way um but like the other ones i would like to see it just like playable on a system that is not the 3ds i don't know that you need to do much to 
the game itself. Uh, I yeah. think in a lot of ways, um, man, I hesitate to say because it, it's definitely not a link to the past perfect, but it is a very like thoughtfully put together game that doesn't have a lot of fat. Like it is a lot of you know like um, uh, that sweet sweet direct Zelda action. You got your overworld exploration. You have some really great dungeons. It teases changes to the Zelda formula by allowing you to go to any of the dungeons you want in any order. Like, it's just a really, the story is great. It's just a really good game. Like, I just wish more people were able to play it. Yeah, this also actually maybe an, another one that is like a candidate for the like, talk to us about these decisions kind of game, right? Because uh, because of its connection to uh, Link to the Past and you know uh the uh is his name uh R- ravio rovio ravio mm-hmm. the uh the, the character who is um selling you the items and like what his identity uh, ends up being throughout the course of the game um and like uh the like turning the dark world into low rule it's not quite the same thing but like the existence of another kingdom is very interesting um and like it would just be neat to uh, have a little bit more insight into uh how they took this game that you know, is a, is a classic, and rather than, like, re-releasing it or remastering it, um, like, made a whole new game out of it. Yeah, and I, I think one thing I would do, when you, you're going to lose the 3D if you bring it to a system without 3D, Yeah. but I think this game might actually be a really good candidate for a remake in the vein of Link's Awakening, like, using that art style of Link's Awakening. Ooh. Because I think that they they are not, like, exactly similar aesthetics but they share a very like toy-like interpretation of the of hyrule yeah i mean one of the things that i do appreciate about the art style of a link between worlds and i know it gets it gets uh slagged a little bit um that i think they do a good job of evoking the art style of a link to the past uh, and I wouldn't want to lose like some of the weirdness mm, of the color mm-hmm. like the pinkness of link's hair yeah um you know, all, all of that kind of stuff that um, isn't present in Link's Awakening, uh, the, the HD remake. Um, but I'm, I'm with you that, like, it could, they, they could do, like, another pass at making it uh, feel a little bit more tactile um, and maybe just a little bit more novel uh, to put it up on, on a big screen. Yeah, because when A Link Between Worlds was first premiered, people were really down on the art style. The game is so good that i yeah, you know it like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but i definitely think that it feels a little um like when square does some of their final fantasy remakes and then they kind of like yeah. mess with the look of the world and it's like well i don't really know that you improved anything and so i agree with you that like another pass at it on in hd would give it ability to really shine um i'm just putting something together right now the way that link looks when he is you know part of the wall when he's turned himself into like graffiti and is walking around um is so specific and is so cool and is like a, a unique um a, a great unique unique art art style um shares a lot of dna with the art that you see um in the like uh history sequences of breath of the wild yeah i i completely agree I don't know what that means or how to use that to better our remake <laughs> of A Link Between Worlds, but I was just struck by it, um, and now I want a Link Between Worlds in uh, high in the High Rule of Breath of the Wild. I don't know. I'm just talking crazy now. <laughs> um, okay, so th- this is one where we admit the game isn't perfect, but kind of we just want it to be on Switch. Mm-hmm. Like, just bring it on over. Uh, Mark, that brings us now to a very important game, my Nintendo Pick Cross Twilight Princess, which was available on the 3DS in t- uh, 2016, a game you could not buy with money. You had to use uh, s- uh, platinum, no, gold coins, I think, um, to-, to purchase it. Only available on the 3DS. Um, it is uh, a Pick Cross game with a bunch of Twilight Princess puzzles. Uh, and that's it. Mark, what do you think about modernizing this one? I think why limit yourself to, to Twilight Princess? It's a great starting yes. point, but uh, let's just throw more Zelda games in here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw a, uh, a Gamatsu piece uh, that was tweeted today 
that was um, uh, announcing, and maybe this has been announced already, and I'm only catching it because Gamatsu was tweeting about it. Um, but a uh, a Sega Genesis Picross, which is Picross, but all the puzzles are like Genesis sprites, uh, and like 100%. That is, just do that. Just give that to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I'm almost surprised that I. I guess I'm. I was gonna say I'm totally surprised that we haven't seen more of that. But on the other hand, how often is Nintendo putting out Picross games? They should. They should put out Picross games like very yeah. often. Yeah, they they should put them out all the time. Uh, and and I'm glad that at no point in this conversation uh, are we going to suggest that it uh, that uh, Twilight Princess, my Picross or my Nintendo Picross, be bundled with. Uh, Link's crossbow training, even though they exist in the same universe, they are different games. I do not want them near each other at all. That's right. That's right. They shouldn't cross over. Uh, next up on the list, uh, again, this is maybe one where uh, the answer it has already been answered for us. We are discussing Hyrule Warriors, the uh, Dynasty Warriors esque spinoff, the Muso game that originally launched on the Wii U in 2014 was re-released on the 3DS in 2006 under the name Hyrule Warriors Legends. It had more content. Uh, also, it ran terribly unless you had a new 3DS, and even then it was pretty dodgy. Um, and then, uh, of course, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition did come to Switch in 2018 with all of the content from the previous games already stuck onto it. Um, this is one, Mark, where we have to ask the question, did they already modernize it for the... <laughs> For the Switch era. Yeah, this definitely kind of feels like one where the dog has had his day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, no notes. Uh, the game is what it is. It's a Dynasty Warriors-esque Musou game. Uh, there's no improving it. You just keep adding stuff to it. Um, uh, which brings us now to the 2015 release, Triforce Heroes, the multiplayer Zelda game that only came to the 3DS, has not been re-released since... Uh, Mark, you and I have, uh, sort of outstanding plans to play this game with a friend of the show, previous guest and future guest, Matt Acevedo. Um, what do you think should be done to bring this thing to the switch? I think it's just, I think it's just that. I think the switch is such a good multiplayer platform for local co-op now, um, yep. you know, getting better at online co-op that Triforce Heroes just seems like the perfect candidate for that sort of thing. Um, we've seen them bring Metopia to Switch, and it doesn't seem like uh, that far of a stretch to have them do something similar for Triforce Heroes. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I also think um, that Triforce Heroes is a game that, you know, it obviously requires a, a player base, right? Like, you need to have uh, people available to to play it with. Uh, otherwise, like, the, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Um, so I either uh, sell it for cheap or make it, you know, as part of the Nintendo Switch Online subscription. I, I, I think this is something actually that we were suggesting with the other multiplayer games of like, just make this as part of the sort of like rotating Zelda multiplayer suite that you can access uh, on your Switch. But I also think that Triforce Heroes would benefit from a local co-op option. Um, that, you know, especially like knowing the way that the Switch works, that every single one has uh, two controllers in it right out of the box. Um, if you also have a pro controller, bam, you've got enough for a nice three-player squad. Um, and it would be super cool to crowd around a TV uh, and everyone be playing this game together. Because um, the game sort of begs to be played together, right? Like you're supposed to be shouting at each other as you're trying to figure out how to, you know, bomb the guy that's like three links tall or whatever. Um, so I, I, I think a, a local co-op, a couch co-op experience is, is just an absolute must for this. Yeah, completely agree. Um, also if it could be a uh, cross play between 3DS and, uh, Switch, and then also maybe there's a mobile version. I don't know. I'm just, I'm talking <laughs> crazy. You need an audience. You need people playing. Yeah. And if we're asking for stuff, why not? Yeah. <laughs> as long as we're asking for stuff, we may as well ask for more. Um, speaking of, we are now at the final game on our list, which is, of course, The Legend of Zelda, The Breath of the Wild, originally released on the Wii U and Switch simultaneously in 2017, uh, has yet to be re-released in any form or fashion. 
Mark, what do you think? Is there a reason to re-release Breath of the Wild uh, either on Switch or on a, you know, a, a Switch Pro or, you know, whatever kind of garbage like that? Um, yeah, this is another one that's really hard because Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite, like, gaming experiences of all time. So I don't know that it needs to be modernized at this point. What I'd love to see, I guess what I would love to see is more DLC for it. Like, if yeah. you if you wanted to re-release it and you included a couple chapters where Zelda is a playable character, Ooh, baby. I would love that. Like, that would be, like, yeah. I would rebuy the game for 60 bucks or whatever um, to have that content because that, that feels like the part of Breath of the Wild or really like Zelda as a series in general that like is just, I, it feels like we are so close to getting it and it feels like the right like next step is to make Zelda a more active part of one of these games. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that 100%. And is that uh, what would be, what would like make a Breath of the Wild re-release? Like, you know, maybe, and uh, if, if not, that is just a fantastic ask anyway, right? Of like, what do we want to see from the future of the series? Give me Link as a, or give me Zelda as a playable character in the game that bears her name. Yeah, and really, it feels like we're like right on the cusp of it. Right um, now. But, but I, I don't think we're going to get it in I, Breath of the Wild too. Like, I don't I, think that's it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And I think um, having it be part of like, kind of like a, a self-contained thing is probably the most likely way that we're going to see it first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Um, I, I think there is a way to um, re-release Breath of the Wild. Um, that's just, that's less about like the game improving and more about um, like its relationship to the player improving. Um, that like, if they could, cause N Nintendo has not done like an official, um, like player's choice or, you know, wh whatever, any of those things that they did them on the 3DS and on the Wii U and uh, on the Wii and a bunch of other systems of just being like, this game is now permanently $30 or $40 or whatever, like just giving it a drastic price cut. And also like, it's time, bundle it with the DLC, stop selling that stuff, right? Um, it, it should be, it should be an easy on point for people who have the Switch and are looking for another game to play after they finished um animal crossing right um like there were so many people that came to the switch after uh you know well after the age of breath of the wild and after the age of like mario odyssey so like do whatever you can to drive people back to those uh, amazing games which means like making it cheaper putting all the content together in like one package um other chapters with like Z uh, playable zelda great i love it let's absolutely do that but i think it is so much simpler of like just make the whole game because if you want to buy the whole game now it's it's 80 bucks still uh which is outrageous and it's occasionally on sale for like 52 dollars um but you still got to spend another 20 for the dlc so i i, I don't know i i think uh, uh the game has been out long enough and while it's legendary it's not like the new immediate hotness so like cut the price on it bundle it all together yeah that um especially with the sequel coming out they yes. should just start, like, I mean, honestly, I feel like they should just start selling it with, like, including it with every Switch, right? It's just, like, a bundle where you yeah. buy a new Switch, you get Breath of the Wild, because it is such a, um, uh, again, like, for me, playing that game when the Switch first came out, it, it it's one of my favorite gaming memories of all time. Like, it's some of the most fun I've ever had playing a game, just the community around it, the sense of discovery everybody had. Yeah, in finding new things and uh, kind of just being amazed at what they were able to do. And so, yeah, I want everybody who buys a Switch to be able to experience something like that. Absolutely. And if there's a way to uh, make it so, you know, if there are too many blades of grass on the screen that it starts dropping frames, like, you know, we, we could get rid of that too. In The Lost Woods, if the game couldn't chug, like that would be awesome. <laughs> um, all right, Mark, we've done it. We've gone all the way through every single Zelda game. Let's close this out. 
All right, is there something that we have missed, either a game that we have missed modernizing or a feature in some of these games that feels archaic that we did not discuss that needs to be updated? You can let us know. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail uh, and uh, let us know. We, we appreciate uh, having, having that conversation. Uh, Mark, I think we did a pretty good job here. It was harder to do the, the newer games, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Because a lot of them have already had like two or three chances. Yeah, that's true. And some of them uh, have had no chances because they're almost modern as it is. And then some of them are tingle games, and we just need those tingle games to bring us the tingle games. Don't make me ask twice. <laughs> uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We've got some fun episode ideas coming up uh, in, in the future. Um, I, Mark and I have been like kind of conceptualizing some things uh, a little bit further in advance than we normally do. And I'm excited about a bunch of these episodes. Um, so tell people and promise them that if they don't like what they've heard so far, they'll like what's happening in the future. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at NinCart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. My name is Will Hines, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire. <laughs>